everybody. Welcome to ironradio.org. Uh, I am Lonnie Lowry. I'm a sports nutritionist. Uh, I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a for- former competitive bodybuilder. Hi, everyone. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, former competitive bodybuilder, current um, powerlifter strength athlete. And welcome aboard, everybody. This is Charles Staley. I am author of Muscle Logic and creator of Escalating Density Training, and I'm also a competitive master's weightlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I am a competitive powerlifter, strength athlete, a strength coach with Staley Training Systems, and founder of liftforhope.org. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm going to introduce the guest of the day. Um, our guest today, I had the pleasure of meeting him actually at this last year's Staley Training Summit here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Rob and Lonnie and, and all of us were actually there. And uh, since then, we've gotten to know each other pretty well. Um, he's volunteered to help me out on a couple of deals. Uh, some charity work, a demo, strength demo for Big Brothers and Big Sisters for the event i got coming up. Um, he's personally helped me out with some shoulder mobility issues. Uh, sometimes I don't listen, but when I do, it seems to work. <laughs> uh, you know, he's always donating his time. You can find him working with professional athletes and just uh, the regular people alike. Um, he holds a master's degree in exercise science, a CSCS. Is a USA Weightlifting Certified Club Coach, and uh, you know just a various other certs and, and three-letter acronyms and whatnot behind his name. Um, and the owner of Optimum Sports Performance, which you can find at www.optimumsportsperformance.com. And the recent co-founder of Reality Based Fitness. Uh, everybody, Patrick Ward. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Let's get that's right. Such to a great, that's such a great name, by the way. Reality Based Fitness. That's just such a slam. I just love that. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> that's that that was a uh, that was the doing of Keith actually. That's Keith's uh, idea, so we ran with it. Yeah. It sounded good. Yeah. There you go. That's a good one. So I want to get right to it, Patrick. Um when can we expect you to get back to throwing some iron over your head, man? We've talked about that and uh back to competing? Yeah. Uh you know, I don't know. I every now and again I get in the I get in the gym and I do some uh you know, some cleans and snatches and I get the itch. Uh you know, we'll see. I mean part of the problem is that I don't have. I'm working on getting my own facility right now, so I just go and lift at the local uh, local gym, which is is just absolutely awful. And so the bars don't spin, and they don't have bumper plates, so I don't. I can't do anything, um, do anything crazy. But you know, like, I mean, I I still can walk up like the other day and pretty casually do a uh, you know a hundred kilogram power clean from the high hang position. So it's just a matter of time. Training it. <laughs> exactly. You need to get back out there, man. You're wasting some great genetics. So what is this about the new facility? Yeah, uh, well, another uh, strength coach slash uh, massage therapist guy out here, Keith Snydman, who uh, you know, Charles knows really well. He and I kind of teamed up together. Um, we kind of uh, hooked up, and we were doing some, some soft tissue work together, uh, ART and, and neuromuscular therapy and stuff like that, and we were like, you know, neither of us have our own facility. We both kind of rent places. Like I, I rent some space at a physical therapy clinic that I work out of, and then I rent some gym space at a uh, a little training gym in Tempe. So it's kind of like I'm all over town. So we decided maybe we should uh, team up and find a find some sort of warehouse facility to uh, throw our gym equipment. And uh, you know, we found a nice place. It's got you know good warehouse space, and then on the inside, it's got some um, some uh, what's it called like offices where we can throw all our massage stuff and do, you know, do some treatment. So hopefully we can work it out and, and get that place going within the month. Nice. So you're not just going to uh, focus on the treatment and whatnot, but also use your uh, your background to do performance training and strength training and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the hardest thing I think for both of us is uh, is separating the two. I think you get you get great results when you're, uh, you know, when you, someone comes in and they haven't, you know, some sort of issue or a problem where you can address the soft tissue or peripheral nerve irritations, things like that, work on that, and then get them out into the gym and, and help them move around. And I think that's kind of like, you know, one of the downfalls. Of, I mean, people go and they get soft tissue work and they feel good, and then they just, that's it. It's like, I feel good, and then four weeks later, I, I feel lousy again, so I go get more. And I think the real goal is, like, in that time where you feel good, that small window of opportunity, you know, that's where you need to start reprogramming things or changing things or, you know, increasing your ability to, or your capacity to move properly or do do something better, anything better, you know, so that you can kind of keep those issues at bay and, and enhance your overall function or performance. Gotcha. 
Um, so, you know, the other big plans, the, the reality fitness, we briefly touched on that. Um, what's that going to be about? The, uh, yep, well, that's, yeah. what, uh, that's what we're going to name the place. And uh, it's actually uh, the website that we, um, we started, realitybasedfitness.com, uh, and we just did our first podcast. And we're hoping to get a bunch of uh, people on there. We're looking for um, lecturers, researchers, uh, things that are people that are kind of like, you know, forward thinkers or like people that maybe you probably haven't heard of because they might not be in the magazines or doing things that are necessarily popular. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be people that we agree with. I think the important thing that we're looking for is just to stimulate good discussion. I mean, people get so tied to uh, the things that they, you know, that they believe. They're, you know, their little niche of whatever it is that they believe, and, and that's all it is. And they, they rarely ever show another side of the coin. And, I mean, for us, we're we're interested in getting people who, I mean, there's people who don't even believe in soft tissue therapy. They just believe in movement therapy, and obviously that goes against the grain as far as what we're, you know, what we're about. So we're interested in getting people like that on there and, and discussing and talking about that stuff so that people can get some sort of reality. And that's kind of where the, um, you know, where the name spawned from. It's like, you know, we're just trying to find the reality of all this stuff. I mean, there's there's always this gray area in between of in between what happens in the real world and the research and we kind of want to look at both sides and figure out what's in between. And, you know, like there's times that Keats and I might not agree, and, and that's okay because I'm stronger than him. Strength always wins. <laughs> no, but he he's faster. He's a, he's a sprinter, so I have to catch him first. He's faster, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, seriously, it's just it's, it's all really just about trying to take what the research says and take what people are doing in real life and find, you know, find that middle ground and say, like, okay, this kind of makes sense, but we don't really, you know, this might make sense too, and kind of figure out how things fit together. Yeah, I got you. I mean, we, just just working with me, I mean, we've kind of had a lot of that, you know, um, <laughs> give and take, you know, working on my shoulder. Hey, Phil, you need to do this. And it's like, well, yeah, I need to do that, but I also have to compete in like eight weeks here. So I've got to do yeah. this, you know, and, uh, you know, a little give and take and mixing things up, and, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I guess another note here, the last note, and we'll move on to the topic of the day. Um, I just wanted to point everybody out that Patrick has a new ebook out that just came out a few weeks back. Um, you can find the link below, and then also on his site, Optimus for Performance uh, and Reality Based Fitness. You want to say something about the ebook? Um, yeah, you know, I really just wrote it as because uh, I kept getting emails from people, and they'd you know always be like, um, "Well, you know, for the you know past eight weeks, I've been doing whatever." you know, Mark Ripito's program, and then before that I did EDT, and before that I did someone else's program. What do I do next? And it's like people just kind of bounce around from all these different things, and it's like eventually you get you get all this information, and it's like, where do you go? You, you should eventually be able to write your own program or just do it yourself. Uh, so the book is kind of like a step-by-step, -step, like this is how you select exercises. This is, And it's just really basic information that people can take and say, like, okay, if I want to sit down and just have my own little program, how can I write it out? And it goes through everything like foam rollers and stretching and all that stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, how to properly warm up, um, exercises, exercise selection, cardio. And there's, there's tons of pictures of exercises, and I put them all in progression so that you understand you can't move on until you master the easier progression and, and, you know, things like that. So it's really just kind of a, I guess, how, and a how-to book, like how to do, you know, how to write your own program. Nice. <clears throat> go ahead and uh, pimp out those websites again so everybody knows where to go. <laughs> With uh, OptimumSportsPerformance.com is uh, the main website, my, my company's website. And then um, RealityBasedFitness.com is uh, the home of Keith and I, where we kind of talk about all the weird stuff. There you go. And uh, everybody yeah. look for Patrick to... Uh, Make a big splash here in, in the coming days. Come out to his new facility, and uh, we're going to move on to the topic of the day. Okay, now, I've been chatting about bringing this topic up for a while with the guys, and it's just just one of those topics that kind of has to come up. It's something that anybody that works in this field that, that we face today, almost on a daily basis. Um, I think more now than ever before, for some reason, 
it's you know it's the fact that you know these kids, mainly young men and boys, I guess, um, some females, you hear them time and time again. It's, they're looking for training and nutrition advice. We just get thousands of emails and whatnot, and it's all, you know, man. I, I want. I just. I just want to get ripped, man. And I. But I don't want to be huge. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. And you know, it's, it just brings pain to my ears. And uh, you, you just have no clue how many hundred pound, you know, thirteen, fourteen, eighteen, twenty year olds there are just <laughs> walking around out there. But I'm getting emails. These guys are 145 pounds and six foot tall, and they're griping because they can only see their top two abs, and and their skin folds tell them they're four percent body fat and they have a twenty three inch waist, and it's just like ah. By the way, and the other one too is the is the, the the guys who want to get smaller and larger simultaneously. Yeah, those so are So I I would like to nominate that as next week's topic <laughs> uh, because mm. that's about the only thing dicier than what what we're going into today. I think that's about ninety percent of everyone too is. You know, they come to me like the football team or different people in different sports. Hey, Doc, I want to get I want to get big. Oh, and I want to get ripped at the same time. You know, good luck with that. Good luck with dieting and bulking simultaneously, there, brother. They just yeah, they tell you I just want to be ripped and strong. That's it. And, oh, okay. You know, it's like I eat better than everybody else, and and I I train real hard, but they're all bigger than me and they're stronger than me. It's like, well, come on, eat eat some food. You know, and that's kind of the topic of the day is I want to hit on, we did the build strength for size. I want to hit on, you know, you got to build some size for strength and even, you know, build some size to get ripped. You know, it's you have to take I, that uh, time to, and put in the years of adding muscle before you have muscle to show. There's a couple of tangents you could take on this topic, you know, obviously. And, um, uh, I mean, obviously, you you cannot hypertrophy or enlarge a muscle fiber until the motor cortex figures out how to how to engage it, how to recruit it. So the whole topic sounds a little bit, um, uh, you know, perplexing from that standpoint. But there's a couple other way, roads you could go down with this topic. And one road would be is just that having a caloric surplus, um, in addition to it being beneficial for protein synthesis and, and, and muscle hypertrophy, um, just gives you energy so that, you know, you've got you've got enough fuel to train. So um, that's one element of it. And then, if it's of interest to anybody in strength sports, um, any additional size tends to help your leverage, uh, both in terms of uh, tissue leverage and and also, I mean, uh, it's it's not a it's not a uh, it's not an accident that a lot of top lifters, especially in the heavyweight categories, have. Uh, a big gut because it gives you something to bounce out of when you're coming up out of a squat, and that could be either for powerlifting or weightlifting. But, but I think the interesting thing about this is to get stronger, you've got to have energy to train, and yeah. uh, um, and and it's interesting too. And Lonnie is more on top of the research, but you wonder if the fact that a caloric surplus creates the optimal environment for hypertrophy. I wonder how much of that really is just that it gives you the energy to train hard enough to develop that hypertrophy. I think one link there might be the fact that guys who fast or, or they don't eat enough, like some of these guys that are trying to be 4% fat all the time, is they get less luteinizing hormone, right? Less LH, less stimulation of testosterone production. They, they have more uh, of the sex hormone binding globulin that binds up the testosterone in their bloodstream. I mean, so... That may actually be part of the link. I mean, there's definitely the, just the energetics of having the, enough literally substrate in your muscles to move some weight, you know, some glycogen and some energy to lift. But I think it's also the aggressiveness. And when you're eating a lot and your calorie intake is high and insulin is flowing, that's a super anabolic hormone. And it's one that actually works with testosterone. So you kind of get this metabolic perfect storm when you're eating a whole lot and moving lots of iron and your testosterone levels high and that's where these thin guys make progress well i think that even proves even further i think it was you that kind of coined the term that uh there's nothing more anabolic than a calorie i mean not only is it the building block but i mean it's it's shooting up hormones and everything else so it's energy it's it's hormone production and it is the actual building blocks of anything in you you know you got to have fuel to to have to build something fortress and i have talked about that for years there's all these guys and you know what there's this 
not only are these, all these guys, you see them at like uh, the Arnold Classic or you see different shows, these 145-pound guys walked or, walking around, you know, they're ripped. They've got on Dioderm and they're carrying gallon jugs of distilled water like they're competing or something. You're like, what are you doing, man? Because you are a stick. And and they don't, you know, they're just really excited, you know. People are delusional. The, the other problem that I would see is, um, you know, whenever some of those guys try and put on size and they start to eat more calories, they just waste it because, like, I'll get emails from guys who are, you know, I want to put on size, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get fat. So they end up doing all this high-intensity cardio and all this crap, and it's like you, you're just wasting all the calories you're eating by doing more activity. Amen. People are just totally delusional to what kind of results they're trying to get. Like, you know, I mean, you you have to accept the fact that you have to accept the fact that when you're trying to gain muscle size or hypertrophy or gain size, you're going to put on a little bit of fat. Just like you accept the fact that when you diet, you're going to probably lose a little bit of muscle. It's okay. You know, you just have to accept that fact. I think people just, I don't know what it is. They have such a hard time. It, with you know, with accepting that and, and making their program uh, fit to what their goals are. And then there's the other guys who are email me and they say I'm 155 pounds and uh, you know it says that I'm 16 percent body fat. So what do I have to do to diet? And I'm like, what are you dieting? For? You're skinny fat. Like you're going to be 120 pounds. Yeah. You know, you may as well just start lifting weight. Yeah, build some structure first. That's the big problem that I see now. Is I mean, they the people just somehow you got lost that. You got to put some time in, you know. Even the smaller guys that you see on covers of magazines, and whatnot, that are ripped, you know, they've got years in putting on lean mass. And the hard part that they did was they spent they spent that time putting it on. And and people try to skip over that and think that they can just diet down and be ripped. And it's like, no. I mean, fat loss, sure, it's part of having a six pack and part of being ripped. But damn, you got to have something to rip. Well, you know? I've always said you gain gain. Uh, fat with muscle and lose muscle with fat, much to what was said there before. Um, I think I think the problem today is what used to impress years and years ago doesn't impress anymore um, just because of the numbers of people who are walking around who have hypermusculature. And um, whereas maybe a beach body, you know, you know uh, kind of a lean muscular beach body of 165, 170 pounds might have impressed people 20, 30 years ago, it certainly doesn't today. So there's and and you have to factor in the fact that you know it, reality has been blurred by chemistry and hormones um, and their proliferation in the last you know twenty thirty years. I think that's why that's exactly why Phil was you know it hurts his ears to these guys are like oh I don't want to get too massive as if right as if that's a big issue you know or only that easy. <laughs> well, to walk around yeah. at one hundred seventy five pounds now would be considered by even most people like a beach body where again it's it's. It's a changing of way people look at what is muscular, and so you look at these guys who are 200 to you know 20, 30, 40 pounds, and they are very lean. I mean, that's a, that's an extremely unusual and unnatural state to be in. So it, it kind of really pervert, you know, perverts the reality of what is possible, what isn't possible, and what, as Phil says, what needs to be done to kind of arrive at a place that is kind of well and beyond, you know, what you might normally see in just an average gym. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I say it time and time again to people. It's, you know, when you accidentally wake up huge, tell me what you did because I'm going to sell it. Let's market it, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we'll be rich, you know. Yeah, if it were that easy, you'd see a lot more big guys walking around at L.A. Fitness. <laughs> but you just don't, you know. You know, if any, if there's young guys listening to this, and if, if, if they need some numbers, it's somewhere around 2,800 to 3,000 surplus calories to build a single pound of muscle. And we all know you can't see a single pound of muscle mass on your body. So you're talking about, let's say it's 10 pounds. That's 28,000 surplus calories between now and that 10-pound gain that you need to consume. And if you're wasting the calories, like Patrick said, through hours and hours of you know high-intensity cardio or this type of cardio or that type of cross-training type stuff, then you are not in a surplus, and you will not synthesize that muscle mass. So you've got to, for a lot of guys... I mean, 28,000, I mean, that even would take Phil three or four hours. For an average person, you know, that's a lot of calories. And it's surplus, and that's what guys forget. That I don't mean, you know, you're talking about these young guys need 3,000 or even 3,500 calories a day, 
just to maintain and be healthy and have lots of energy to lift. And so this is on top of that. So maybe 500 to 1,000 calories a day on top of that, that's a heroic amount of food. The thing is, most of them are already walking around underfed. So they think adding four or 500 calories is going to put mass on them, and it's not. It's just getting them to an actual fed state where they have energy. You know, and then they need more to even get to excess because they're all walking around starving themselves already. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of them don't even know what they're intaking anyway. Like you yeah. ask them, you know, how much are you eating? And, you know, oh, I eat a lot. I eat a ton. All I do is eat. And then you look at, you know, it's like you eat like a bird. What are you talking about? Yeah, when you actually go log it and look at the numbers, you're like, oh, that's impressive. 2,200 calories today. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's not that much. Like I said, people are just totally... They're just totally delusional about, like, you know, what it is they're doing or what they're trying to do, I guess. That's what I mean. Me and Charles joked yesterday. I had somebody email me a question and then tell me what they ate. And it was like, man, I wrote back and they told me exactly that. I, I stuffed myself. It's like, man, that, that's how much I eat when I – that's what accidentally falls in my mouth when I'm cooking my food. <laughs> it's like you're going to have to put some food in your mouth. <laughs> well, you also have to kind of figure out what route you want to take, you know, natural route or – you know, a drug route because, I mean, the fact remains is that nobody who's horrifically strong is has a beach body. It just doesn't happen. That's true. Um, you know, and even the guys that you see that um, do, you know, perform these amazing feats and set these records in powerlifting federations where, you know, they total, you know, three four times their body fit or whatever it may be. You know, those guys never last anyway. They have some catastrophic injuries in a year or two and they're gone. I mean, so that's nature's way of saying that, hey, man, that's not right. Yeah, I, 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 I worry about sound issues here, huh? <clears throat> hey, we got some tapping going on there. Yeah, I wondered if there's somebody who's clapping or what. <laughs> <laughs> Unenthusiastic clap. Out there, you could make it sound a little more enthusiastic. I mean, <laughs> the other thing, I mean, is, um, you know, getting on that is it's almost becoming... I mean, I've been I've been anywhere from from 165 pounds to you know I was 215 ripped, and sure I got looks, but nowadays, I mean that's becoming almost the norm. And now you know I say I'm walking around 275, and I'm not lean, but now it's it, they used to see more of that a bit, and now I mean I get more looks now than ever. It's like oh god, you know, but um. I don't know. It's just I I'd like to know how this you know people's self worth is measured by their six pack came about. I, you know what? There's a disturbing trend, and I, I'm hoping to get a, a, some more journalist guys on the show next month. But there's a real trend. It looks like for people to kind of eschew and uh, reject traditional bodybuilding, even on the bodybuilding websites. You know, there's a lot of this kind of. Um, what I would define it from my old school perspective is cross training going on instead of guys trying to learn to be a little lazy, you know, when they're not in the gym, uh, let themselves get in a calorie surplus, realize that they have certain limitations on anabolic hormones in their body that's synthesizing all this, right? They're not going to put on pure muscle, pack on dozens of pounds of pure muscle. Uh, I mean, beginners have a, a decent chance of maybe a 90-10 ratio or something if, you know, if they have the right metabolism. But the point is, you know, the whole culture has drifted away from um, traditional bodybuilding kinds of practices. And everything is, it, again, to me, it just looks like cross-training. And it's no wonder that these guys, they don't, they're afraid to go through periods of bulking and, and think about these calorie and hormonal realities. And they try to be ripped and just get big as they stay ripped. And, you know, that just... That doesn't happen for the most part. Yeah. There's nothing manly about a six-pack. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, that's, a, I mean, I'd, uh, Lonnie, what you hit on there, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, I mean, so many people are trying, they think you should have the ability, like you said, to, to bulk up at 90-10, and they, percent clean, and they think you're failing if you don't. And, I mean, to a certain point, yeah, the, the average beginner can but you start hitting, you know, a bit over average, and that's just unrealistic. I mean, especially guys who are ectomorphic. If you're naturally thin and angular in your genetics, don't think that you're going to pile on the mass, especially if you try to stay ripped. I mean, you've got to 
uh, an old strength coach buddy of mine calls it the battle of the knife and fork. And Rob and I have called it that same thing. You know, it's you're not eating just when you're hungry. You're eating every two or three hours and you're eating a lot. And it doesn't mean you're eating slop. You know, you're not just living at McDonald's or, you know, fast food or something or sloppy food. You're you're planning regularly intervaled large calorie meals. And especially for thin guys, that's their one ticket to mass. They can lift their butts off, and it's going to be largely wasted effort unless they get in a calorie surplus. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, I think then as the, the larger you get, I mean, I add weight now, and I'm more than happy if it's 50% muscle. I mean, it just, I can't expect more than that, it being a large individual, you know, and trying to reach for, for high levels of strength and whatnot. And, I mean, I'm excited. And they don't realize... People have a a real fear of body fat now. I mean, it's almost like they need professional help, I mean, a lot of these people, because they actually, it's like almost physically painful to them to, to think about adding body fat. And it's like, man, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it comes off pretty easy. I think we're all in the same school of thought. It's fun to bulk up. It's fun to, you know, if, if even if you are doing a 50 fit, well, let's say a 60-40 or a, Maybe you could even pull up a 70-30. It's fun to go through bulking phases. And how long, I mean, how long does it take to put on, say say you go 50-50 and you put on 15 pounds and seven and a half of that's muscle. That took a long time. But it's not going to take that long to lose seven and a half pounds of fat. You know, that's what people don't realize. Fat can come off a lot quicker. It's not going to take you three years, you know. Yeah, so long as you don't just starve yourself and lose it 50-50 like you gained it, you know. <laughs> Rob and I have talked, I, I know Fortress and I, we used to talk about, you know, being natural as a power lifter. Uh, how fat would he be willing to actually get in order to, let's say, you know, squat well over 700 pounds or, or bench 500 or, or whatever it is? Because, you know, as a natural athlete, you've got to think about that. When you're not all testosterone and or other hormone, you know, thyroid preparations or all the, you know, the clenbuterol or all these different drugs, if you're not doing that, then you have to say, listen, if I'm going to get really strong, maybe 50-50 fat and muscle gain is is something that I'm willing to do in this mesocycle or, you know, or this period of the year or whatever. And as you get close, obviously, as it goes the other way, as you get closer to, you know, reaching the upper levels of, you know, um, performance ability that, you have to kind of start settling more and more for for that ratio to becoming you know reversing exactly um, which is kind of what you're lending further to what you're saying, Lonnie, as far as you know what are you willing to do when you when you start getting more towards you know what is your ultimate goal I mean how much are you willing to you know to do that to say okay well it's it's going to require this much fat or this much bulk you know to to reach that and I mean that's something that people um you know go into what Phil says I mean you know our society today is so you know, steeped in the aesthetics and what you look like and all this stuff, stuff and the ugliness of fat and all that type of thing that people are just paranoid about that. Yeah. Well, especially if your goal is strength. I mean, if you're a strength athlete, I think any natural strength athlete is going to get to a point in his career where he's going to have to say, listen, uh, it's getting harder to make these dramatic gains. How fat am I willing to become in the name of strength? Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, I my last meet, you know, I'm I'm out from it by six weeks, and I was planning on doing it 242. I was going to cut down, and then I had an injury. It was messing my bench up, so I was like, screw it. I want to go for my first 700 pound deadlift. So what I do, I ate my way up from 265 to the 275 class in six weeks. Added about 13 pounds, and I guarantee you, <laughs> not near 50 percent of that was good, and the strength was there. I was stronger than I'd ever been, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a sheer amount of the fact of being just extra fueled, you know, my my head was like a planetoid, you know, it was, it was starting to get a frickin', you know, I hit my own gravitational pull, but man, I was stronger, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a new one. Somebody's massive enough to have a small moon orbiting their head. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That's how the food accidentally gets in his mouth. Exactly. You know? It slips out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I drive past Burger King and it's just osmosis, just... <laughs> <laughs> draws it in. Yep. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's an odd thing nowadays. You know what? Since we're talking about calories, I should also bring up the the issue of protein a little bit too. 
even though I'm rather pro-protein in my outlook, I mean, there's so many advantages to uh, body composition, you know, not just protein synthesis, but body composition. Uh, but at the same time, I see a lot of guys overdo it, and you see these guys that are natural, and I mean, I'm not a big fan. I see these guys eating three or 400 grams of protein a day and almost no calories to put it to work. So I'm always using the analogy. I've done this for 10 years in classes. Is, you know, listen, you got to think about protein or like bricks. You know, if you're trying to build a big body, you need bricks. But that's not gas for the bricklayer's equipment, right? If the bricklayer is like testosterone, let's say, or growth hormone or both, or insulin, then you also got to have energy for the bricklayer's equipment. And if you haul in 400 bricks a day and you've got no gas in the bricklayer's equipment, then you're not building anything with that. So the calorie surplus has to be part of the whole thing. It can't just be eat crap loads of protein and pretend that that's all going to be driven into muscle mass because that's not how it's going to work. You're going to pee away that urinary nitrogen has some of the most expensive urine on the planet. Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing analogy. And, I mean, there's actually – I mean, I've, I've – Talked to several people that kind of have problems with it. I mean, they've. It goes into the body fat being being evil now, and people being afraid of it. People are f- afraid of of carbs and fat, <laughs> both of them. Sadly enough, and I mean, I've seen people that you know. Okay, I'm going to add mass and do exactly what you say. Well, I'm just going to eat 200 more grams of protein. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, they can actually. They don't realize they can actually get health problems from not the excess protein, but because all they're eating is protein. <laughs> I mean, what is it, rabbit-wasting disease that people used to get, you know, from very low fat intake? And uh, Yeah, that's got a background that's steeped in, in mystery, <laughs> that whole thing. But I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, if you're, if you're eating so little carbohydrate that you're literally bordering on ketosis or something, that's not a, a, a state you want to be in all the time. You know, that's that might be a temporary uh, scenario for for body fat loss or fat mobilization. But I mean, come on, you know, if if insulin is uh, an anabolic hormone that you really have under your control more dramatically than some of the other ones like testosterone, then you got to take advantage of it. And that may mean a 60, 40 muscle and fat gain or something like that. You know, it's uh, I mean, protein is great, like you said, but I mean, it's it's almost gotten too great. At the expense of the other macros. Yeah, well, the, fats and carbs are the energy macronutrients. And again, if young guys listen to this, you got to think about which one you're going to focus on, or maybe a little of each. I mean, I that the whole thing with temporal nutrition with me was I, I don't like removing whole food groups or whole nutrients from the diet. So that's why I thought you know eat those slow burning carbs in the morning when your muscles are more receptive to them. Eat the healthy fats in the evening time when you know your carbohydrate metabolism isn't great anyway. I mean, you know, barring evening workouts every single night. But I think that's a way to try to keep the variety in place. But you've got to, you've got to choose uh, when you're going to eat the energy nutrients, and that's fats and carbs. You know, protein is not a preferred fuel source. And I'll tell you what, if you overeat protein, I was just looking at an old military book. Uh, there's this really kind of disturbing data that if you eat lots and lots of protein, hundreds of grams a day, and then you stop, your body will get better at actually oxidizing, burning you know, that protein, and then when you stop the flow, inward flow of it, you're, you'll continue for a couple of days to oxidize lots of protein. Well, that's kind of scary because now you're literally burning up what you've got, you know. So uh, you've got to get the calories, like Phil's saying, carbs and fats are your energy sources, and you've got to decide what kinds, how much, and when you're going to eat those. I'd like to make the point, too, since we're talking about all these calories, that um – this was touched upon a little bit earlier, but um, when you're eating really, really big, um, you need to you need to have good exercise selection as well. Um, much as Charles was saying, you know, you have to uh, have enough surplus calories to actually fuel the the activity. You know, you you want to make sure that the activity that you're doing is chosen well. So to eat monstrous amounts of you know calories in in, in hopes of building you know muscular bulk and then going into the gym and doing you know high rep cable crossovers, um, that's probably not a good choice of exercise. Um, and I see that all the time in the gyms these days anyway. I, I, one of my big things is exercise choice, and I see people making really terrible choices with, with what they're doing, you know, with the energy they're burning in, in the time that's required to, to get in the gym and do these things. And, they're, and it's, it's horrible exercise choice. Do people still do that? I haven't been in a commercial gym probably. Uh, all the time. People make them. 
You want to People make the worst choice. If I went in a gym and saw somebody doing cable crossovers, I would just, you know, oops, my, I crap my pants. I mean, I would it's even it. It's even worse when you see the person doing it, and then you look over, and it's their trainer standing next to him who has them on, the, like, the tech deck machine doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'll tell you what, but, one of the funniest looks I, I've seen lately is me and Charles walked into a gym here not too long ago, and a a world-level strength athlete was uh, pumping away, you know, uh, cable pushdowns, man. Just <laughs> Charles, uh, it's Charles yeah. at the floor. That's right. <laughs> Somebody that all of you know. Um, yep. People waste so much time in the gym, though. <clears throat> you know, when I go to work out over at the local uh, local gym, it's just crazy. Like, and, and the thing is, like, you know, people in the industry who are in the know, I guess, like, we sit here and we're like, ah, people need to squat, they need to deadlift, they need to do, like, you know, basic exercises. And then we kind of criticize the people when we go to the gym. It's like, nobody squats right, they don't have good depth, they round their back, whatever. And then I look at what they're doing in the gym, and it's like, man, these people can't even do a biceps curl right. Like, they can't even do <laughs> lateral right. Like, they can't even do that. Like, they can't even take care of a single joint exercise. And we're like, you guys need to deadlift. You guys need to squat. They can't do anything right. They, well, Patrick, their exercise so selection I, is there. i got to say, though, Patrick, I mean, elbow flexion is underrated in terms of a skilled uh, event. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the easiest thing for, you know, you guys are all skilled professionals. I mean, <laughs> yeah. where do you go on Sorry. that one? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And the answer no, is nowhere. It, it's true, just like uh, just like Lonnie was saying, though, you know, you see programs and they're more like cross-training or, you know, more something that someone who is just training for regular health and, and, you know, health and fitness would be doing, except these guys have a goal that's totally opposite of what their, you know, what their thing is. It's like people come in there like, what, what should I do to gain size? And I'm like, oh, pick three exercises, go to the gym, do them really hard, go home and eat and rest, you know, yeah. go squat and do a set of chin-ups and do some presses and go home. Right, and like Fortress said, it becomes especially ineffective and almost embarrassing when somebody thinks they're bulking up and those three exercises are the aforementioned cable crossovers or quad extensions or, I don't know, you know, seated calf raisers, I don't know, you know. I mean, I mean that's, you see it all the time. I'd rather you see somebody, you know, I'm going to go do leg day. They're doing leg extensions, calf raises, and like eight leg curls. And it's like, just go squat. Well, people are too worried about for a whole people are too people are too worried about you know the routine and not the exercise. Yeah, you know they go in the, they go in the gym and they're looking at the routine. It's like like you said, go in the gym and squat like it's an event. But that's what Platts used to tell me all the time. He's like, you know, I never went in the gym and trained legs. I went in the gym and I squatted. Yeah, you know what I mean. I looked at I looked at deadlifts and squats and these exercises as events, sporting events. You know, they're not exercises. Exercises for what you know. Women, you know, middle-aged women who want to get in, in shape do, you know. You want to look at the, that the movement as sporting events, you know. So you're going, and even if you're only doing two or three exercises, like you say, when you go in, which is probably a good tactic anyway, you're looking at those two or three exercises as events, you know. So you're not just going up to the squat rack or go up to a, a bench or anything and saying, okay, well, now I have to do this exercise. You're going up and saying, okay, well, this is where I'm planting my ass for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. half an hour. And this is where I'm, you know, and this is this is where I'm going to toil away and sweat my brains out, you know, and and flirt with death. This is where it's happening right here. Well, I think very few people. I mean, there's some some national level bodybuilders and whatnot can go do one of those programs where they hit a muscle from 18 different directions. Most people, if they have seven exercises to do, the first six exercises they're going to hold back because they know they got six more to do. You know, if you have one exercise. And you know that's it. You, you're going to go in there and generally you're going to give it your all because that's all good. Give a client one choice. That's what you do. So you better give me everything you got. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're going to benefit more from yeah. that. Well, it's like you can train short and hard. You can trade long and easy. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So, that, I mean, that's kind of going to what you are saying there, yeah. And Phil was talking about the professional bodybuilders and stuff too, the kinds of pictures and routines that a lot of young guys look at. You know, they're almost led to believe that they need to be isolating their rear delt or something. First of all, they don't realize these guys have massive rear delts because it's synthol, <laughs> and that's not naturally something that you can set a cup of coffee on, you know? And two, that you know, all these different angles and, and ultra-isolation things, I mean, you're not creating enough tension, that you're not using enough heavy enough weights, you're not creating the compound movements in the, in the, in the session, 
And, you know, good luck bulking up with stuff like that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just like, you know, somebody doing, it's, it's a total different thing for a, a beginner to walk in the in the weight room and have a tough time curling 10-pound dumbbells to, you know, have Ronnie Coleman come up and rep out a 120-pound dumbbell. He's he's able to move enough weight in a small isolation movement to actually create a result, you know. And he's just a genetic freak, too, well, though. Well, yeah, and I mean, but I mean, these people have a reason to isolate a small lagging part. When your whole, when your lagging part is you, you know, do big compound <laughs> moves. It's a good analogy that you used, Ronnie, because Ronnie was also well known for heavy basics, right? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, well, he was and deadlift. Well, he started as a powerlifter, yeah. I mean, and people forget the fact that the dude's been lifting weights for thirty years, yeah. li- literally. You know, I mean. So yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of factors involved, you know, to produce him, <laughs> but 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 no small amount of time, lots of calories, and lots of lots of years of training on the basics, and, and yeah. people want to focus on certain attributes and not those attributes. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the young guy, he sees a very narrow snapshot in time with Ronnie doing the 120-pound curl or whatever, and he thinks that's exactly where how, what got him there. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, we've got a couple questions here. We'll hit those up and then uh, call it a day. Uh, got a nutrition question. Um, please sur- provide some easy and cost-effective options for healthy snacking, high-protein snacks, Leaving aside the shakes. Trail mix. Cottage cheese and fruit. Well, well, I'll tell you, the the issue with high-protein and snacks is that high-protein snack. the benefit of snack foods is you can take them with, right? And protein spoils. So you're not going to have carbohydrate and fat foods spoil to the point of utter rancidity in like a four- or five-hour window. But protein will do that to you. So it's really tough to think about portable protein snacks. I honestly I think that's where supplements are a big uh, benefit, whether it's a bar or some powder or something that you can take with you. But there are things you can do, like, you know, there's canned tuna. I mean, I was infamous for I used to crack open two, three, four cans of tuna almost daily uh, because you don't have to refrigerate it, and you can't take it with you. And you, I would literally sit down on a bench before I left the gym and eat the can of tuna and wash it down with – you know, whatever I'm drinking there, and just choke it down. You know, I wouldn't flavor it. I wouldn't make it into a fancy sandwich or something like that, tuna salad, or I'd just eat the tuna from the can. I mean, so that's one thing you could do. And if you're going to do it for bulking purposes, uh, you know, you could eat that with Triscuit crackers or you can, uh, you know, drink your calories along with it, even if it's just some fruit juice or something. It's not normally the kind of thing I would really focus on as fruit juice. But, you know, if you're doing it with some – um, bread and you know a, a improvised quick sandwich or a, a crackers or something. The tuna, what might be something people can think about too. And I think I, I'm really open to whatever you guys have to think too, because this is really one of those things where what kind of tricks do you have for that? Jeez. Well, there are you are limited in what you do, and I mean I, you know I had tuna today, and I I'm, I'm notorious as well for tuna. I mean it, it's it's you know relatively cheap and easy and portable, and you can bring them around everywhere. So I think I think you have to kind of get used to. I mean, everyone wants so much bloody variety, but I mean, if you're an athlete, yeah, I mean, there's there's certain concessions you have to make to that. I mean, you're eating so frequently, and you're looking for some, you know, uh, convenience. So you're going to have to you're going to have to accept the fact that there's going to be a lot of redundancy in what you do eat. And it's not going to be all that gourmet. And That's one a, thing, yeah. one thing that Phil and I do, and I I think I picked this up from Phil, but you know, if you just carry around a, a, a shaker bottle with two scoops of protein powder in it, and then when 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 the time is right, you know, you just find some water somewhere and bang, there's your protein. And you know, it's not not the most exciting thing in the world, but you know, it uh, it, it it works. And you know what else too? Maybe even just a good old like a peanut butter sandwich. If you could get some uh, whole wheat bread and have some peanut butter on it, you know, because again, it's one of the things you can carry around without it spoiling. And in the wintertime, it's one of the nice things about Ohio. It's cold all the time. Your back porch is your refrigerator. You know, or if, if you leave stuff in your gym bag, it's not going to spoil instantaneously. But, God, I can't imagine you guys in Phoenix. I mean, you're talking about stuff spoiling in a three-hour window, and if you eat that, you're going to get sick. Well, all we do is just bring eggs in the car, and they just hard boil. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, I, I like peanut butter, the peanut butter sandwich, but, I, like, I know it's not super high protein, but I think trail mix is great, like, in between meals, just because – Especially if you're trying to gain size, a couple handfuls of trail mix can give you a lot of calories. And, you know, it's got 
if you put the dried fruit in there, then you have carbs, and it's got more fat than anything. But I just think of it as like really calorie dense that you can carry anywhere. And if you need a meal or need need a snack, you know, in between meals, you could just. That's a great great idea, Lonnie. Wouldn't it be correct to say that just calories by themselves are protein sparing? So. Yep. In essence, you could look at it from that point of view. You know, Patrick, just quickly, what, based on what you were saying, too, uh, another thing guys can do uh, who are listening is you could put a box of cereal. You can get a good granola cereal with, you know, fruit and real nuts and that kind of stuff, almost a trail mix kind of cereal, and leave it between your car seats, the whole freaking box, because it's dry, right? It's it's the moist things that spoil. If something's dry enough, it's not going to spoil. And so you could find all kinds of... Um, decent whole food but high calorie uh, kinds of cereals and leave them between your car seats or even like for a gym bag or something uh, and just you know reach in there and wolf down handfuls whenever you think about it. Yeah. Um, dried meats, beef jerkies, uh, they have prepackaged cheeses. They got those ripped apart tuna packs now. You don't even need a can opener. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is that people need to realize, like Rob was saying, you know, when you're eating this many calories, not every meal needs to be gourmet. You need to think of it as fuel. Just yeah. open it and get it in. You don't even have to taste it. Just just do your job. Fuel and building blocks, right? So think about how can I squeeze in you know, at least 15 or 20 grams of protein at least uh, while I'm you know, chowing down on some healthy carbs or healthy fats to put it to work. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's somebody that knows Patrick. Hi, Patrick, a.k.a. P-Funk. Um <laughs> How to overcome a plateau, especially when linear progression has come to a dead end? Uh, back off. So, like, you know, I just tell people, go, you know, work maybe five or six weeks trying to make some progress, and then just drop your drop your intensity down 15 or 20% in the following week, and then the next week pick up and start working up from there. Okay, and we'll take one more here. Um, how would you recommend targeting nutrition for gaining muscle mass? I'm a 152-pound ectomorph. I eat six meals a day and try to ensure 30 grams of protein per meal. Please advise. I think that's going <laughs> to... Yeah, log your intake. Get an idea about how many calories. There's nothing wrong with a young guy eating 4,000 calories a day. I've actually tried the most I could ever eat for long periods at a time. Phil, you're going to laugh at me for this, but I guess I'm a wuss. But was 4,500 calories a day. I was able to maintain that, and that was really hard. I felt like I was eating constantly. To give people an example of what that means, I would wake up and have six servings of oatmeal, six pieces of toast, and six cups of milk. I would do things in sixes like that. And then I might have six burritos for lunch. I might have six servings of pasta with you know a pound of meatballs for dinner. I mean, these are huge amounts of food, and it's good to log this stuff to find out where you really stand, because if you're a young, thin guy, at some point, you keep eating more and more and more, you are going to cross some threshold where you will be gaining weight. Even if it's a 50-50 scenario, like Phil's saying, there's got to be some break point at, you know, where you can't bend the laws of physics any further, and you will, in fact, grow. Yeah. I think a huge point... To get across to people, too, one last one here, is that uh, you're going to hit that growth spurt, like you said, and you may put on fat pretty quick, but just maintain that intake, and you're going to slow down, and things are going to even out, you know. You're going to start gaining, but that intake you got now is going to become routine before long for your body, once you've gained enough. And if you're training hard, and you just consistently keep that intake up, things are going to lean out. And try to have a little patience. I know it's really hard for a 16-year-old guy who's desperate to be a bodybuilder to have some patience, or even college-age guys. But remember, you know, you're talking about um, a six-month period or something where, you know, you're doing a big cycle uh, specifically of, of uh, bulking or something, and maybe bulking's not the best word, but, you know, purposeful overeating. And uh, I've actually, I have a uh, little algorithm that I did in an article. It's online if people were to search for it. It's a weight gain algorithm, and it's literally like a yes, no, follow the lines kind of thing to help people decide, uh, you know, are they eating enough? Are they timing their stuff right? Are they doing everything right? So that might be worth looking at as well. You've got to put on a little bit of extra weight that you will want. To, and you always you always train yourself. I think Phil kind of, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you kind of uh, alluded to this a couple of minutes ago that you kind of, you put the extra weight on, you bulk, quote-unquote, but then you kind of train yourself into that weight. Yeah. Um, you, you, you re, um, your composition changes towards, you know, being more lean tissue over time. But, you know, I mean, if you're 
I don't know, like 160 pounds and you eat your way, you know, a lot of fat up to 170, you know, then you train at 170 with that extra leverage and so forth over a period of several months, you actually kind of train yourself into a more quality version of 170 pounds. That's a great idea. Exactly. That's the kind of way I've attached it. At, I mean, that's how I worked up slowly from 215 to this. Well, I you and me both. That's, that's what I always do. I always, you know, you, you kind of say, okay, well, I want to now get hit 270, and you exactly. kind of get to 270, but it's kind of sloppy 270. Exactly. But guess what? In a year, you train hard as hell, and you're getting the strength from the leverage and all that stuff, and guess what? In a year from now, you're still 270, but, you're but it's, a, it's a different 270. Exactly. I mean, and then just having that patience for that year, I think that people, you know, like Lonnie said, people just, they're so impatient. They want it now. They want it now. I mean, People want know, everything in two to four weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you just have to be really patient, and you have to be really persistent and stay on track with your goal. I mean, when I graduated high school, I was like 5'1", 200, you know, 5'1", 120 pounds. So, you know, I had to really make the push of like, all right, I'm going to eat. 5,000 calories a day and, and try, you know, and I was just really persistent for about six or seven years to get my weight up, to get my strength up, you know, to, to finally grow. And it's just yeah. being totally patient. I mean, that's a lot of calories. You know, I had made the push up to like try to get 7,000 to 8,000 calories a day and that lasted for about a week and I had diarrhea for like a month. But then after <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, but, you know, but I mean, I was just determined to make it happen. So you just got, you just got to be really patient and keep pushing it. That sounds good, guys. I think it was a great show. Great show, guys. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming, Patrick. All right. Later on. See you next week. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on IronRadio.org. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also, seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists.